back in chapter 6, verse 1 to 18. Ben's going to read that for us on very short notice. <laughs> but I'm not short. <laughs> All right, here we go. If you got, they got that behind us and we've got it in front of us. Giving to the needy. Be careful not to do your acts of kindness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be seen in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you... It's 18, isn't it? Yep. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, Please... Keep, the, keep your Bible open at that point because it's great now that we've had the Bible read to uh, think about it more and reflect on it more uh, as we come to this time to hear uh, God speak to us from his word. And it's great even though we're small in number this morning with obviously people away at the Vanuatu relief trip, um, people in uh, travelling to, to be with um, mums or, or kids to spend time uh, on Mother's Day. It's still a great thing, a great privilege that we have to open up God's Word and uh, hear God speak to us through it. So let's pray and ask God that he'll help us understand it as we look at it now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it is living and active, that it cuts us deep to the heart, uh, that it shows us our need for a Saviour, your Son, Jesus. 
Father, we pray that as we look at your word now that you'd be opening our minds, our ears, our hearts, our souls to you uh, so that you would change us, uh, you would convict, uh, convict us to live uh, in response to your son Jesus and what he's done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We love play acting, don't we? We love play acting. We have favourite TV shows and favourite movies where we get to watch people play act, where we get to watch people play someone they're not. Uh, just last week, The Logies was on, you know, everything we love to hate about Australian acting, and where we actually give rewards to people to play people that they're not. Uh, and so the Logies featured the likes of Asher Ketty from Offspring, Miranda Tapsell from Love Child, and that guy from Home and Away who always seems to win every year. And they were joined by the likes of Delta Goodrum and Ricky Martin, who I think was even play-acting at the Logies Awards. I think he could have been lip-syncing uh, his songs. You see, we love play-acting, don't we? We love watching people in movies play someone they're not. We love watching our favourite TV shows. We love watching people in TV shows play someone they're not. I love the game of soccer. It's a world game. It's a beautiful game. But I realise that loving the game of soccer, there comes with it this territory of being labelled a faker. And the reason is, you know, sometimes, sometimes soccer players take a dive. They, they play act to try and get the ref's attention. Just yesterday, after I played soccer, uh, one of the teammates um, said to me, you know, when you were running along there and that guy kind of bumped you, you should have taken a big dive and you would have got the ref's attention. We would have got a penalty we would have scored a goal. Sometimes we might do it. Sometimes. Uh, but we even play acts in sport, like soccer. And with close to three and a half billion fans, that's a lot of people who accept their favourite soccer team might actually play act sometimes just so they get to win the game. Play acting. Play acting. We accept it. We enjoy watching it in the movies and in TV shows, don't we? Well, this morning as we move on to the, the middle of this famous section of the Bible, this uh, Sermon on the Mount, we'll hear Jesus teach against play-acting. Uh, if you want a different term for it, it's hypocrisy, isn't it? And what Jesus teaches in this part of God's Word is really something that we actually all need to hear because I wonder just how many play-actors there are amongst us this morning. For the most part, you know, sure, we look great when we come to church here. We're all accepted. We are all uh, living the way that we should as follows Jesus here at church. We have nice, friendly conversations at morning tea. Uh, we might nod at all the right times in the service, but then when we get home after church, when we're at work during the week, when we're behind closed doors, what are we really like in those moments? You know, we might live really well within the safety of these walls here amongst others in this church building, but I wonder if in lots of ways most of us have got play acting down to a fine art already. And I'd hazard a guess to say that we're actually all in the same boat. I'm guilty of it. I'd imagine you're guilty of it. We're all guilty of play acting as Christians because the reason that we're guilty of it, we, we have this nagging problem, this thing called sin hanging around us, this notion where we want to put ourselves at the centre of everything, at the centre of life, and that even affects the way that we live as followers of Jesus. It gives us the ability to play act. And so this morning Jesus, he has a strong word for us. 
He has quite a strong word for us this morning from this part of the Sermon on the Mount. There's a common uh, phrase used by uh, car salesmen, even for movie actors, that if you fake it, you'll make it. But Jesus says, well, this is a strong word. When it comes to God, when it comes to living before God, faking it, well, it just doesn't work. You see, the things that we think of as religious things, those outside things that we see people doing, well, they can become a trap, can't they? It's so easy to be doing them just to be seen, uh, to be play-acting for an audience and to forget, well, actually God's more interested in what goes on in the heart, that place where you're either real or you're not. So the strong word that Jesus has for us this morning is play-acting before God. It just doesn't work. Because God sees our heart. Now, prior to this part of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has begun his public ministry with the words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus has called his disciples, these 12 guys, to follow him. And he tells them that if they're to be part of God's kingdom, this new life with God, this new way of living with God because of Jesus, well, as a kingdom dweller, they need to live as people who give their allegiance to the king. You see, what Jesus is doing here is calling his followers to a a radical way of life, to a radical living uh, that says, follow the one true God, the one true king, if you're part of his kingdom. In this passage of chapter 6 that Ben just read for us, Jesus takes aim at those who were just play-acting, those who said, yes, I live for God, yes, look at all the things I do for God, but really, Jesus takes aim at these guys because... They're just doing all these things to make themselves look good. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Jewish teachers of the law, the the big religious guys of the time. And uh, in the passage that we've got in front of us, Jesus gives three examples, three religious acts that you would do if you're a Jew. And these three acts had really had been turned into hypocrisy. And every time with these three acts, Jesus says exactly the same thing. He says, don't do it to be seen by men. Don't do it just for the show because God's looking straight into your heart. And we get this great summary of the whole passage in the first verse of chapter 6. Now this really is the principle of how not to play act. Here's the principle that Jesus gives. Verse 1 there, he says, Be careful not to practice your acts of righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, you notice here what Jesus doesn't actually say. He doesn't actually say, you know, just make sure you don't do acts of righteousness. You know, don't do the good deeds in living for God. There's no need to do them. And he doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, don't do your acts of righteousness before men. As if to say, you know, it's wrong to do good deeds towards others. He doesn't say that either. But the big thing that Jesus gets at here is, not to do good deeds before men in order to be seen by them. You see what he's saying there? You see what he's going on about? Don't play to this audience in front of you. Live for the audience of one. Live a real radical life for the one who gave you life. You see, that's to be the motivating factor to why we do good deeds. It's to be for God and God only. Sure, people are going to say, you know, that was really great that you made the lawn last week. That was really great that you provided morning tea. That, the way that you played music this morning, that was, was really good. That's obviously going to come, isn't it? But when that's turned into our motivation, well, Jesus says, 
It can't be. It can't happen like that. The motivating factor for why we do things has got to be God and what he's done for us and living for him. I think there's a, a, a telltale sign when your motivation is all mixed up. And I know that I, I struggle with this as well. And the way it might surface is when you do something good, uh, you expect to hear praise from others. You, know, you kind of might put you know, the drumsticks down or you might take the microphone off or you, know, you might um, put the Bible down and then you expect to hear people give you praise and you start, you know, you start to hope, oh, maybe people will pay attention to what I did. But maybe the sign of the motivation being mixed is that, well, uh, I kind of think, well, what's the point of it all? No one's really paying any more attention now. The, the attention's starting to drop off. You see, it's doing things before men to be seen by men. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. He's saying, live to please God, not men. Don't play act before him. Don't play act before God. It just doesn't work. And so if that's the principle, to not play act before God, the three examples of what it looks like in practice uh, are these. First up, example number one, is giving. Now, obviously, uh, they didn't have TVs back then, so they wouldn't have been able to have telethons, you know, where you, you ring up and say, I'd like to donate this amount of money for this charity. Uh, but they did have philanthropy down to a fine art in the ancient Near East, in the ancient times when Jesus was alive. And you can just imagine it, can't you, you know? Out on the street, the Pharisee, this big religious wig, kind of all dressed in his robes, and he sees a guy on the street and he's hungry, and uh, you know, he's got a helper there standing next to him with a trumpet. And so what does the Pharisee do? He makes sure, he makes sure that there's, you know, there's a crowd around here. He takes his wallet out, takes the $10 note out, starts waving it around, and then blah, 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 the trumpet comes out, and there's an audience already coming to watch what the Pharisee's doing. You can see that kind of thing happening, can't you? There's a fanfare, there's a drum roll, everyone's getting excited. The Pharisee is giving a hungry bloke $10. But you see, that's where it stopped for them. It was just a show. If there was no audience, there was no giving. And the hungry bloke on the street stays hungry. You see, it's a hypocrite, isn't it? It's hypocrisy. And the funny thing is that about... Uh, what Jesus says here, uh, when you give them and don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do, the funny thing is that in the Greek language, hypocrite actually just has one word for it. Actor. It's a professional pretender. It's an actor. The, the word hypocrite, every time you read it in this passage, just means an actor. You know, someone that pretends professionally. Someone that gives just to be seen. Someone that gives so an audience of people will see them. But no, no, Jesus says there's only one audience that counts and that's God who sees what you do in secret, who sees you when you're not backstage when the masks come off, who sees whether or not if you're real, if you're genuine. Now, it's quite funny, isn't it, the way we're, that we're wired to show people when we do something good. I'm not sure, you know, when the collection comes around, if you'd take your wallet out and kind of hold it up and stand around, maybe take the $100 bill out and say, Hello. Look what I'm putting in. I don't think we'd go that far, but you know, think of the, the telephones that exist. You, know, you, you uh, donate money and your name gets read out over the TV. Bill from Ballina just donated $1,000. How great is Bill? You know, sponsorship deals. Kia supporting the Australian Tennis Open so that people will then go and buy more Kia cars. Bill Gates having his own charity to provide 
computers to people that live in third world countries. Let's say that we can look at Bill Gates and think, wow, isn't he a great philanthropist? Just look at the way that he does so many good deeds and helps out people. You know, even in Christian churches, uh, hypocrites are alive and well. In spite of what Jesus says here, there are people that just haven't listened. There are still Christians who give so that people will see what they're doing and then be impressed. You know, maybe it's more subtle than getting out your wallet and waving around a $100 bill. Maybe it's just letting people how much you gave. Oh, it was really great that I got to support this. Oh, you know, it was really great that I got to give a few hundred dollars. Maybe it's you know, explaining that you, you can't you know, buy too much because you're being generous with your money. Maybe uh, you, you're trying to be impressive in your financial support, but really you're just doing it for show. Well, Jesus says, no, no, that's hypocrisy. That's just play acting. And if it's human applause, well, then you can have as much as you like of that. Just don't expect any praise from God. That's what Jesus is saying. It's quite strong, isn't it? And Jesus says there, when you give, do be generous. Be generous. But keep a check on your motive. Don't be like the hypocrites who blow their own trumpets, who play act before God. Give generously. Give discreetly. And Jesus uses that strong metaphor here of not even letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, just give with, without thinking about it. Give generously, give discreetly, and just give without thinking about it. Um, don't even tell yourself about it. Don't even give a second thought to it. Jesus says, give generously, give discreetly, so that you don't fall into the trap of wanting applause from others. You see, it's not giving for man's approval, but for God's. And then he goes on to say, well, this is uh, how you do the same with praying. Have a look at what Jesus says there in verse 5, uh, in chapter 6, verse 5. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now again, Jesus doesn't say, you know, there's no need to pray. There's no need to pray now that you have a, a life with God, now that you have a relationship with God. And he doesn't say either, well, there's no need to pray with others. What he does get at is play-acting prayer. You know, praying for the audience. You know, in the synagogues back in those days, you can guess what was going on. The the guys would take turns to lead prayer and there was a bit of temptation there to pray to the audience, to try and outdo whoever prayed last week with the right words, with the most theologically, biblical-sounding words that you could possibly imagine, these big, you know, holy words, and even having a holy tone. Lord, we beseech thee of this great day. Something, you know, they're putting on a show and they're even prayer busking. They're praying on the streets. They're going out in the streets and saying, Almighty Lord, we... I don't even know what beseech to be means. I'm just using it to try and sound holy and get, paint a picture of what these guys are doing. It's weird, isn't it? Um, yeah, we might even experience that sometimes uh, here in our growth groups. You, know, you hear most uh, people just speak quite normally and then when they're asked to pray in public, off they go and on and on with the sort of holy words and spiritual sounding words they'd never really used before. And there's even this special holy tone of voice. Really, it becomes obvious that they're 
Perhaps they're not actually praying to God, but they're praying to the audience to give a mini-sermon. Well, Jesus says, no, that's just play-acting prayer. That's just praying so that people are going to be impressed, so that people will be uh, so impressed by the way that you can speak. Now, you could, be thinking, you could be sitting there now thinking, well, okay, well, there, there goes praying in my growth group. I'm not going to do that again. Uh, you know, I just don't want to risk being called a hypocrite. Well, no, no, really you should be thinking the opposite here because Jesus is saying anyone, if you can pray on your own without needing to use big and impressive words in that holy tone of voice, if, if you can just pray like that, well, you're the ideal kind of person to pray, to pray with others. To pray alone. Jesus isn't saying, you know, don't do open prayer. What he is against is play-acting prayer. Praying just to get the praise of others. And so we need to ask, well, who am I praying to? Am I praying to this audience in front of me? Or am I praying to the audience of one of whose praise only matters, of God's? And from here, Jesus goes on to say, well, this is the how-to of prayer. Uh, this is the how-to of prayer. It's not so much the what of prayer, uh, it's the how-to. It's a bit of a, a how-to guide, you know, instructions of, of how to pray. Now, being uh, a male, when it comes to putting something together like Ikea furniture or, you know, something that we've bought uh, from Bunnings or, you know, uh, a cupboard or something, I just kind of go, what? How-to? Get rid of that. I don't need that. I just need a, a screwdriver, some screws and a bang and a hammer. Now, usually after the fourth day um, in our household, Jasmine just puts it together because I haven't followed the instruction guide, the how-to guide. And so this is the how of prayer. And really, it's not something to be thrown away. This is not the what, and it's important to, to keep an eye on that. This is not the what of prayer. This is the how of prayer. And it's a great privilege that we have, isn't it, to talk to God in prayer. Now, back then, it was like there was these idol worshippers, you know, people worshipped other gods and they had this idea that the way to really get through to their gods was just to, uh, to bore them to death. You know, they're going to just ramble on and on and on and on with words and long prayers and that way maybe our god will go to sleep and then bang, we can get what we want from him. And so they'd keep on repeating their prayers. It's kind of a bit like uh, the Hare Krishna mantra or a, a Buddhist monk. You know, it's kind of like, well, here we go, we're going to wear down this idol and we're going to twist his arm back so that we get what we want. Now, the Pharisees of the day weren't really much different. Jesus says in verse 7, when you pray, don't keep on babbling on like the pagans, like the people that worship other idols, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. It's not as if God doesn't know what you, know, uh, what you need. He knows already what you need. Uh, he, he's not like this you know, pagan God you've got to force into action. You know, someone that you've, you've got to twist his arm up behind his back to say, come on God, I was going to go on and on with them long rambling prayers and you've got to give me what I want. No, no. Jesus gives a pattern of prayer and lots could be said about this but we're just going to have a look at a few points this morning. So feel free to take this home this morning, take home uh, this chapter and have a look at it at home. In the first part of how to pray, it's about calling God Father. Did you notice that? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not... Our name, that's to be hallowed, is it, when we pray? It's God's name. And then he says, pray for God's coming kingdom, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not our will to be done, is it? 
But it's God's will to be done. And Matthew goes on to unpack the story which uh, we see just happens at the cross, at the resurrection. That's how God's will gets done on earth. You see, firstly, what all these relate to, it's God. It's God-centered. It's God-centric. It's seeing what God wants to happen, that more people will come to trust him as king, that more people will give their life to him and live for him. I wonder if that's our prayer. I wonder if that's how we pray, that we focus our prayers on God and what he's done for us. It's not as though God doesn't care either about us and we shouldn't pray for things that are concerning us. We get the next few uh, parts of the prayer that are praying for our needs, our daily needs, praying that we'd uh, be forgiven of sin, of turning away from uh, sin and living for God, praying that we'd not be led into temptation. You see, both our physical needs and our spiritual needs, and really what we see in the Gospel of Matthew is that this prayer is fulfilled all in Jesus. Now, at a later time in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus feeds a crowd of people with a boy's lunchbox. Uh, Jesus goes to the cross and dies so that we would be forgiven of sin. Further on in the Bible, we get the Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us to help us when we're faced with temptation. See, see what these, this prayer is about? It's so God-centric. It's God-centred and Jesus-centred. It's not just like, uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be my name. Uh, my kingdom come in my household. My will be done on earth. No, no, it's God-centred and it's Jesus-centred, isn't it? This prayer is focused on God and his good gifts to us of providing for our daily needs, of giving us forgiveness of sin because of Jesus, of helping us when we face temptation. You see, it doesn't matter if our words are jumbled or if we have the, the incorrect English grammar. It's about what's going on in our heart. It's the attitude of the heart focused on all God has done and continues to do for us. It's to be sincere, to speak from the heart not to play act. And then Jesus goes on in the third example, the last one, and talks about fasting. He talks about when there are times and places for fasting, these, this uh, thing that's going to help you stay focused on God. Uh, food might um, be a distraction of being focused on God alone, and so fasting might help decrease that distraction. But you see, Jesus is not taking this, this thing that happened, this fasting idea, and saying, you know, it's something that you have to do. Uh, because later on in Matthew's Gospel, he actually defends his followers who weren't fasting. And so he's saying really here, when it comes to fasting, don't play act. You see, for the Pharisees, those religious bigwigs, fasting was a ritual they do once a year. It's an Old Testament command. And to be sure of that, what the Pharisees do is that we think, okay, it was the once a year, we'll turn it into a once a week thing. We'll fast once a week. And they were prepared to put up with a hungry tummy, they were prepared to miss chocolate or something like that, all for the sake of a great show that they could put on. And so you see what they do in, do in verse 16. Jesus says there, uh, verse 16, when you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do. You know, the actors, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward, will reward you. You see, what the Pharisees do is that they, they go out and they grab a, a pile of dirt from the backyard and they rub it on their faces 
And they think, okay, I've got to try and make myself look as thin as possible, make myself look gaunt, because I want to show people that I'm actually fasting. I want to show people that I'm you know, religious and doing all this stuff for God. You know, I want to do this so people will ask, well, what's wrong? You look terrible. I mean, you know, rolling around in the mud and have you eaten for a while? What's going on? And then I get to da-da-da-da-da-da, blow the trumpets. Well, I'm actually fasting. You see what they're doing? They're play-acting. Jesus says again, don't fast just for an impressed audience or a reputation of being holy. If you think that God's impressed, well, then you're wrong. What does he do? He says, well, when you fast, put oil on your head. Wash your face. Now, splash on some aftershave. Put on some perfume. Comb your hair. Look fresh, look bright, so it won't be obvious to people that you're fasting. But only known by your Father in heaven. Don't be a play actor. Don't be a hypocrite. It might not be fasting for us, really. We might not do that. I, personally, I think I would probably be um, not focused enough on God if I didn't eat. I'd be distracted by having a rumbling tummy. Maybe for us, it's you know quoting, uh, quoting Bible verses all the time. So people think, gee, you're a holy guy. You know the Bible really well. Maybe it is praying the long-winded, theologically-sounding prayers at growth group. Maybe it's like collecting Bibles for your home and Christian books to put on the shelves so that when people come over, you think, man, you've got a big library. You must be a really, really sound Christian. But Jesus says if you're doing it for an audience, if you're play-acting, God sees straight through that. You see, as we look over this chapter... Chapter 6, we've got to think, we, we can't actually do the Christian life. We can't live radical lives without Jesus. We can't live a radical life without Jesus who gave up so much, who came down from uh, his place in heaven, down to earth, to live among sinful people like us. The one who prayed alone with tears and sweat of blood and prayed Father your will be done if this is what needs to happen if the cross needs to happen then your will be done the one who fasted alone in the desert for 40 days and didn't give in to temptation you see we can't live the radical life can we without Jesus so how are you going in your Christian life now where does this land for you What does this all mean for you? Are you play-acting? Maybe for you, you need to just start giving. Giving generously and giving discreetly. That's a great way that we have uh, electronic giving where it goes inconsistently and sometimes you just think, oh, I didn't even realise that it's gone across. Maybe for you, it's giving generously and giving discreetly. Maybe for you, it's to start praying you know, praying not for an audience, but praying alone to God, thanking Him for what He's done for us in Jesus, thanking Him that He provides us our daily needs, that He uh, helps us through His Spirit in times of temptation. Maybe for you it's, it's doing some kind of act, uh, serving in a way where it's not based on your motivation, but for the motivation of serving God and what He's done for us in Jesus. You see, the radical life, the life lived for Jesus, for praise of God, 
is the real life. Well, let's pray that we would live that way. Let's talk to God. Heavenly Father, we do I thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he gave up so much for us. We thank you that he didn't stop at anything and went to the cross and died in our place. Father, we thank you that uh, he was tempted but didn't give in to temptation. And Father, we thank you that you are with us always, that you give us uh, help in temptation through your spirit. And Father, we pray that uh, we wouldn't be play-acting. We pray, Father, that whatever we do for you, it will be for your praise and honour for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes.